Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the 69th edition of the West Coast Preps podcast. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Morlantoon. More football's in the air, I should say. Baseball's in the air, and professional baseball's in the air, and the Bay Area pro teams are well. Well, they're not good. That, I, think, I think that's the right way to put it. We're, we're not going to get much more into that besides the A's or, well, their, their window is closed for the rest of eternity. And the Giants bullpen under Dave, under Gabe Kapler, whatever his name is, I don't care about his name, is just really not good. So both Bay Area teams are going to miss out on the postseason. But you know what is positive news is that we had baseball and football games to cover this week. It's been a great time. Greg and I have really enjoyed that. Check out all the coverage, recaps, photos, takeaways, rankings. Everything's up at westcoastpreps.com. See all of our stuff. Last night, I was at San Leandro versus Bishop Odad football. Greg had a great game. He was at as well. De La Salle gets Jesuit from Carmichael. Wednesday, we had some baseball. He was at Monta Vista, Dublin. I was at Cal High versus Foothill. And then tonight, Friday night, I'll be at Los Gatos, Mountain View. Greg is at James Logan, Murrow Catholic. And then on Saturday, we've got a lot of good games. Sarah St. Francis. We've got San Ramon Valley Cal. There's Sacred Heart Prep Menlo Atherton. There's Livermore Dublin. There's just a lot of great games in this region that we will have covered. So stay tuned for that at westcoastpreps.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. You all know the whole enchilada by this point. But you know what? Let's get off into some recapping some games. Greg, we were at games last night on Thursday night for football. So just take me through. De La Salle comes away with that 42-7 win over Jesuit. Put in the backups there early in the second half. Take me through that game. What happened and how De La Salle was able to extend this Northern California streak to about 30 years. I mean, is there much else to say other than De La Salle played like De La Salle? It's just a system where they win games and put out incredible talent every single year. Um, but basically, Dorian Hale, the dual-threat quarterback, first time I've got to see him play in person. Um, the dual-threat quarterback, you know, everyone thought he was. And the dual-threat quarterback that he is and the reason he's going to Sacramento State um, looked really good. They had Nico Torres, who had three touchdowns last night, who played really well as well. Um, that whole team, you had Zeke Barry and Lumagia Hearns played great defensively. They didn't really throw the ball a whole lot last night, so not a whole lot going for Zeke Barry, Lumagia Hearns offensively. There was a big uh, kickoff return by Lumagia Hearns. I think he took about 52 yards or so down the right sideline, which set up an easy touchdown for Nico Torres on the very next play which was right after Jesuit had their one touchdown of the night. It was a 29-yard touchdown pass on a great catch over a couple of De La Salle defenders. But De La Salle's De La Salle at the end of the day. Um, by the middle of the third quarter, they had their backups in, um, you know, and scored 14 more points with their backups because their backups are just as good as about any starting roster here in the Bay Area, probably. They'd probably still be ranked number one if they had just their backups in, the, in there. Um, but I, there's not much else to say and of course you know being that I am on the pit train and have been on the pit train some parents came up to me and said you're crazy I don't know why you think Pitt would ever beat us and I accept it it's all right we'll see we got a few years all we know is that the 2023 Bay Area class is probably the greatest Bay Area class in the history of the Bay Area football Oh, it's, it's great. And we talked last night on the phone after our games, too. That class is great. The 2024 classes, too, because De La Salle's got a freshman quarterback with offers, power five offers, right? 
Bishop O'Dowd, I just saw two freshmen get a lot of playing time. Kyle Loud made some really brilliant plays in that secondary last night for O'Dowd. Daniel Harper, a freshman as well, two kids that are definitely going to be Division One football players here once our high school careers close. But, I mean, there's so much young talent in this region. We saw that in display. You've seen yeah. that at La Salle, too. They've got some loaded 2023 and 2024 classes. I mean, that program just turns out kids left and right every single year. Pittsburgh, I mean, you, you name it every single program out here starting to do that and then yeah I was at O'Dowd San Leandro kind of a low scoring affair right San Leandro actually its first loss of the season came away with some really close wins over Hayward and then Moreau Catholic in overtime to start the season then Bishop O'Dowd the number 2014 in the Bay Area comes in gets the win 15 to 6 but really low scoring both defenses played really well Bishop O'Dowd's coach told me after the game they just found just enough answers he was pretty much praying throughout the game can we just Please find an answer. Please find an answer. I'm trying to find something. All week they practice for San Leandro's blitz packages. And I'm telling you, every single play, San Leandro, they're a new blitz. Outside linebackers, one play. Middle linebacker, another. Cornerback blitz here. Strong safety blitz here. Both safeties blitz here. Free safety blitz here. Just at, all night, Jesse Madden was getting pressured in the backfield. Even when Joshua Nisa got hurt again, San Leandro's defensive line still really came to play. They've got some really – real big studs up front that San Leandro's got in that city. But Bishop Bidow came out with just enough plays. They forced some turnovers, held San Leandro to 11 plays of negative yards, 156 total yards, one of 11 passing for San Leandro for 13 total yards, a couple of interceptions. Bishop Bidow's defense came to play early on, struggling to tackle. They weren't making their dragon tackles, as they call it, early on. They was just kind of tackling too just – Tackling too high almost was their problem. And they really got into a rhythm after San Leandro had some big chunk plays. Odell's defense really settling after that, after San Leandro's first touchdown with Demetrius Freeney. It's dual threat quarterback, wearing 62 yards untouched for a score for San Leandro's only touchdown. Went for two, didn't get it. Then Odell, some crazy stuff happened in the game. San Leandro goes for it on fourth down from its own seven, doesn't get it. Bishop O'Dowd sack actually Jesse Madden gets sacked the next play, but then he finds Tyler Hunter, the big target for an 18 yard touchdown wide open down the right side of the field. Bishop O'Dowd gets the two point conversion from Madden to Harrison Jenkins, eight to six. Nobody can score, right? There's not really a whole lot going on the rest of that way, as you can tell by that scoreboard, right? And then San Leandro is just struggling offensively. It's defense is coming up big plays, but then Bishop O'Dowd, Last drive, I mean, because it's final drive, technically it was just a couple kneel downs, but this was a real final drive when it had stuff going. They're getting some big plays, big chunk plays. Matt White's coming up with some big plays. They're running back. Then they just found it was a numbers game, right? It was always three on three the way it was. And Bishop Woodhout found it to get four on three there. Little swing pass to Matt White, Jesse Madden to Matt White for the touchdown for 26 yards. He broke some tackles, eluded some defenders. Got that touchdown with two and a half minutes left. Bishop Odell wins that game 15 to six. But you just go up and down Bishop Odell's stats. You look offensively, it's not the biggest numbers, right? But that goes to show you how great the defense has played in this one. Jesse Madden, 14 of 24, 142 yards, two touchdowns. Did get banged up in that game. Matt White, 30 rushing yards, but he had 63 receiving yards too. Ben Martin, 43 receiving yards. Harrison Jenkins, the Lehigh bound. Senior, 27 yards on four catches. Also a fantastic defensive back. Broke up a pass last night. Lockdown coverage, press coverage. He's going to be really good at the next level. And then you had Tyler Hunter with that touchdown catch. But their defense, though, I mean, it was just every single play, too. 
San Landros in the backfield all day, and so is Bishop O'Dowd because Caleb Brandt's him some tackles for loss. I mean, it's just you're going up and down this list. Ty Jones, three tackles for loss. Alejandro Piles also had two sacks. Julian Wilson was a big-name player. Spoke to him after the game. You can see his interview on YouTube and in our game recap. He was pretty much honored by every Bishop O'Dowd coach after that game when they dropped that hammer. I know their new saying there is drop the hammer under David Perry. They let him drop the hammer, but O'Dowd comes up with that win, 2-1, and one, number 24 team in the Bay Area. Just is finding ways to win. Almost beat San Ramon Valley week one last couple of weeks, so they're just really close-knit team. They're finding ways. They're finding success under David Perry. Then we'll recap some of our baseball games quickly before we get into just previewing this weekend before we wrap this up. Greg, you were at Monavis, the Dublin baseball there on Wednesday. Looked like Monavis to just dominate it in every facet. So just take me through what worked for Monavis and how that team looked getting its first win. I'm not sure if I watched Montevista baseball or football. They put up two touchdowns on the, the scoreboard that night. Uh, it was 14 nothing final. Montevista, their hitters were patient. I think that's that's the great, the best thing that they did all night was they took the pitches that they could hit and they hit them hard. But if they couldn't hit it, then they let it go and they got to a lot of three two counts and took a lot of walks. Uh, very patient at the plate, and you could tell that. They were just very deliberate at the pitches they were going to hit, and that was part of their game plan coming into the game was take the pitches that you want and hit them hard, and that's what they did all night. And then you go to their pitcher, Grayson Coons, just dominated all night long. Had 10 strikeouts in six innings, which was a complete game. It's the first time I've ever seen a mercy rule in a high school game. Um, they decided to call this one after six innings. But he dealt all night long. From the first inning, he had a a set of four strikeouts in a row between the first and second innings. His stuff was nasty all night long. Um, it was just pure domination by Monta Vista. They didn't really make any mistakes at all throughout the whole game. Um, and 14 nothing was the final score. So Monta Vista got their first win on Wednesday night in the ball play. Um, and it's been, I think they're going to have a destiny to do good things as well. As 14 nothing is a pretty big score, especially in baseball in six innings. Especially in the East Bay Athletic League, right? It's every game is going to come down to the wire. It's going to be crazy whether you're the number one team in the league playing the worst team, right? At every game in that league is crazy. And saw that too with Cal Foothill. Cal beats Foothill, one of the top teams in the state, two to one in extra innings. Bravo Fabian hits a big home run for Cal there in the fifth inning going to Long Beach State. And you saw why just blast one to left field, right? And Dylan Rudd pitched a fantastic game for Cal. 100 pitches, seven Ks in that game, only gave up a few hits. Only gave up one run there in the top of the seventh. It was so it was kind of crazy. Okay, Foothill gets a single, right? Base runner on them. Guy advances to second. Well, then, okay, Foothill hits a double. They tie this game. But here's where it gets weird. The world, he does not. He does not touch first base, right? So the runners, the run still counts, but that guy is out because he doesn't touch first base. And I guess everyone on the first base side. So I did see that he did not, from my angle on third baseline, I did, could not really see there. But where they were, first baseline, the umpire was right there, made that call, saw that he was out. Okay, but one-to-one -one ball game, crazy stuff. Just an absolute pitcher's duel. Nathan Shin, the San Francisco State found lefty pitcher. Foothill pitched a fantastic game. It was him against Dylan Rudd all day. I, I swear to you, the seven innings wrapped up in an hour and five minutes. One of the quickest – seven inning games I've ever seen in my entire life. And then it goes to extras and it's still over by 520, right? That's how fast this game went. I was done with everything by 6, 6, 15. That's how quick this night was. But then Cal, bottom of the eighth inning, 
They get some guys on base. Then Brady Wetzel comes up with that clutch walk-off single. Cal wins 2-1 to one against, an, I mean, one of the states and country's top teams in Foothill. Foothill's had a lot of pieces come out of that program. They are undefeated going into this game. Cal's got some big wins this year, too. They're a team in a program not to sleep on this year. They beat Granada once. They beat Foothill once. So they've come out with some big wins in the EBAL this year. So baseball, that race is going to be a lot of fun to see what happens. I know De La Salle just got beat by Granada, too. And De La Salle's a nationally ranked team. So that goes to show you the baseball in this area and how fun these league races are going to be. But now moving on from baseball, we've got some big games this weekend, too, Greg. We're going to get into some picks. We're going to preview some of these games. We've got some of our game picks going. So, Greg, let's go through. First off, James Logan, Moreau Catholic, where you're going. I'm going James Logan. James Logan, the ranked 23 right now in the Bay Area. Um, still a great coaching staff. Still a lot of talent on that football field. I'm going to say James Logan's going to squeak that one out, probably by a touchdown. By a touchdown. Okay, I think James Logan's going to win this game by 14 points. Their athletes are going to come. I think Jeremiah Patterson's going to have a big game. Marcus Sanders, their big 6'5 quarterback, is really starting to get more comfortable running a varsity offense, and I think he's going to have a big day there. But Nico Reed from Real Catholic, the Colorado signing a first team all league player last year on offense, defense, and special teams. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are. It's, you can't stop a guy like that. I think it's going to be one of those things where James Logan's going to come out with that victory. Then Los Gatos Mountain View. I've got Los Gatos coming away with that win. Adam Garwood's having a really strong season. He's got some offers from Rocky Mountain College and University of San Diego, a great running back there. Alex Grotto, the quarterback's really coming into his own and getting comfortable there as the starter. I think Los Gatos comes away with that one. But Mountain View, too, got some guys to watch. We all know Austin Flax, Drake signing at receiver. He's a great athlete, also a great player on defense as well. And you got Ryan Camboris, who's going to be playing Division Three football at the college level for them. But I've got Los Gatos winning that by a couple of scores. Greg, what's your pick for that one? I think it's pretty simple. Los Gatos, number nine in the Bay Area, one of the best teams in the Bay Area. Tons of talent all over the field. Um, I'm going to have the same pick as you, Los Gatos, by a few scores in that one. Um, but I'm excited to see Mount, or Austin Flax play for Mountain View and some of the talent that they have. We haven't had a chance to see him yet this year, so it'll be cool to see them out there and for you to go out there and take some pictures of those guys and do a game recap for them. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the next game we have is Sarah versus St. Francis. Yeah, that's going to be a, a great game. Sarah comes in at 2-0, the number two team in the Bay Area, only behind De La Salle. St. Francis is 1-0, number 11. Their game against Bellarmine last week pushed back to the weekend of the 23rd, 24th because of COVID protocols within the Bellarmine football program there. So St. Francis, the 1-0, had that win over San Benito, 24-19, to start the year when they had two players rush for over 100 yards. That Donis Hernandez, 128 yards. And the junior, Camilio Arquette, 111 rushing yards. And Arquette, who just got a San Jose State offer, also had 13 tackles in that game. But Sarah, they've had some big wins to start this year. Sacred Art Cathedral last night beat them 49-10. to Week one, they beat number four, Valley Christian, on the road 33-26. to You've seen Hassan Mahasan, the junior. Three rushing touchdowns against Sacred Art Cathedral. He had two receiving scores against Valley Christian. You've got their two-threat quarterback, Dominic Lampkin. It was 21-27 passing against Valley Christian. And then you've also got Christian Pedersen, the tight end, Louisville signing. He was really having a strong senior season, running back Padello G, Joey Via Roman, their sophomore receiver. There's a lot of great players on this in this game, I should say, but Sarah's going to come out with this one to stay undefeated 
and get to three and zero and remain the number two team in the Bay Area. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. There's tons of talent on the field on both sides of the football, um, as both these teams are ranked high in our rankings right now. Um, and WCAL, one of the best leagues. We've had this conversation, Evol or WCAL, which league is better? But this is two of the top teams in that in that league, I should say. But Sarah's going to eke this one out. I think it's going to be a closer game um, than what we think, I think. But Sarah will eventually pull away in the fourth quarter and make it a 10-point win over St. Francis. Yep. And then the next game we've got here tonight, actually, number three, Pittsburgh against number 25, Liberty. Two of the top programs in the Bay Valley Athletic League the last few years. Last year's matchups, Pittsburgh won by one possession in both meeting, right? Pittsburgh wins the regular season game 24 to 21 in overtime and then 21 to 14 in the North Coast section division one semifinals over a Liberty squad that won 10 games. Both these programs coming in have won the last three league titles, Pitt in 2017 and 2019, Liberty in 2018 when it won its first ever state title. But Greg, you first off, who do you got? Well, I think it's pretty simple. I've been on the Pittsburgh train for a long time now, basically ever since we started West Coast Preps, and I can't really pick against them at this point. Um, I think they're going to bounce back from a, a slow first half against Heritage last week, and I think they're going to put up 42 points and win this one, 42-21. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's really going to come out and play in this one. Liberty's a very, very young team. Liberty, I think, next year, the year after, is when Liberty's really going to start getting to that team again where they're winning eight, nine, ten games again in season. They've got a really young quarterback in Nate Bell that's dual threat. They call him young Pat Mahomes there, and he's, he's definitely making some really big plays there. One of the more underrated signal callers, I'd say, in the Bay Area, 22 of 39 passing. He's got 210 passing yards, two touchdowns. He's also got two rushing touchdowns. You've got their senior running back, Jalen Thompson. He's got 177 rushing yards. And the Liberty defense this year has played great. They've given up to six points. They've got 18 stops in the back, backfield, four, seven fumbles, five of those in which they recovered. But Pittsburgh, so much talent, as you know. They've got their two Division One quarterbacks in Jaden Rashad and Eli Burke-Handler. You've got their running back, Dejuan Pearson, 214 rushing yards to lead the team, and he had 141 yards a week ago at the game that Greg was at. You've also got Xavier Willis defensively with four sacks. I think Pittsburgh is going to come away with this game to remain undefeated. And keep that, I guess, recent winning streak they've got going against Liberty to keep that thing going. And Pittsburgh's going to really cement itself as the top team in the BVA. Y'all come here tonight. And the next game to go over, number six, Menlo Atherton versus number 22, Sacred Heart Prep. And this is a matchup with some immense quarterback talent, offensive talent, right? You've got Teddy Purcell for Sacred Heart Prep, and you've got Matt McLeod getting a nod there for Menlo Atherton. Yeah, and then you go on Menlo Atherton and their wide receivers – yeah, Jalen Moss, Jeremiah Irby, uh, Johnny Barbie as well. It's a great wide receiver class that, honestly, Troy Franklin was supposed to be a part of. But this was played in the fall as well. So immense 2021 class that Menlo Atherton has there. And I struggled to pick this one a little bit. I wanted to go with someone else, but I eventually did go Menlo Atherton. I think that their offensive firepower is just too much for Sacred Heart Prep to come over. Both teams are going to be really impressive. I think it's going to be a really fun game, but I think MA is just, just going to eat this one out as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one, though, one score game. Yeah, I'm going to have a 28-21 men in the bathroom. Sacred Art Prep's a really tough team. They're, they just make so many smart plays, a very efficient offense, a great defense, but men in the bathroom 
just got so many athletes on the field. They're going to come away with that one touchdown victory there. Let's go through some of these numbers too. You look at Matt McLeod, that junior quarterback from Menlo Atherton. Last year, 19 touchdowns, just two picks. This year, he's 19 of 28 for 427 yards, four touchdowns and zero interceptions. Just makes smart plays. Then Teddy Purcell for Sacred Art Prep. He's completing 72.7% of his passes for 633 yards, eight touchdowns and zero interceptions. Both of these quarterbacks, wildly efficient, don't make mistakes. And Purcell last year, too, 14 touchdowns, just three picks. And some of the athletes in this game as well to watch for. Three different MA receivers have over 100 yards. You've got Jalen Moss with 150, Johnny Barbie with 106, and Jeremiah Irby with 103. And for Sacred Art Prep, you've got Paul Barton, the North Carolina lacrosse commit. His first ever football season, 218 receiving yards and four touchdowns. He's got two games of 90-plus yards. Then Beck Anderson, 10 catches for 141 yards and a touchdown, highlighted by his 85 yards at Kane's Academy a week ago to keep them undefeated in that top 25 matchup. And this is where it gets interesting with our picks, okay? You can see our picks also at westcoastpreps.com. But number seven, Clayton Valley Charter versus Monta Vista. Yeah, uh, we have agreed, which is weird. You know, normally we have a couple of picks where we go back and forth and whatnot. So far this week, we've agreed on every single one. But here we go, back in the e-ball division. Crazy things happen. They've happened already this year. And I think something crazy is going to happen again. Unranked 0-3 Monta Vista, who, you know, is better than 0-3 record says, is going to go into Clayton Valley, and I think they're going to beat Clayton Valley on Saturday night. It's my one upset of the week. And I, I don't even think it's necessarily an upset. I think Monta Vista is a really good football team. They have a ton of guys that are college bound. They have a ton of great athletes all over the field. Um, Clayton Valley obviously has great athletes as well, but coming off, both of them coming off a loss last week. So both of them are trying to get back into their winning ways. And I think Monta Vista is the one that's going to pull it off this week. And you look at Monta Vista's 0-3, but their losses. Week one against Lacalanes, they missed over 20 players because of contact tracing. And they could have won that game because they had a couple possessions in the fourth quarter where they had the ball to potentially win that ball game. They didn't lost by a score, but Lacalanes is a ranked matchup. Not a bad road loss when you've got just over 20 kids being able to play. We all know what I said about that game after. De La Salle, they have that loss at De La Salle, but everybody loses to De La Salle. In Northern California, it's happened for 30 years, and it's probably going to keep happening for another few years at least. And then last week at Cal in that top 25 matchup, now Cal is just really moving on up under Danny Calcogno in his first year with that spread offense. Monta Vista lost by seven in overtime. So, I mean, it's not like it's bad losses. That's just a ridiculous schedule Monavis has had with some unfortunate circumstances with COVID in this very, very unique season. Monavis could pull it out, but I think Clayton Valley is going to win this game. And they're going to do it very ugly, the ugly eagle way, as they call it. They like to win ugly. Clayton Valley is going to win this game, I think, 20-17. to 17. But it's going to be – It sounds like that's the eagle score. Right? Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. And you look at this, Clayton Valley's running back, Amari Taylor – that senior now as a junior, he had 1,428 rushing yards. This year he's got 407 rushing yards and five touchdowns. You've also got Rasan Woodland next to him with 185 yards on 31 touches. Monta Vista, though, too, they got a great running back of their own with Gavin Cribb, who's got George Fox and Puget Sound offers. Just a workhorse in the back. Well, we've said that with Dylan Toms from Camp Lindo. Gavin Cribb the same way. 71 carries for 451 yards and four touchdowns. Monavis has got a couple of kids with over 100 receiving yards. Jack Andrews, the tight end, 
just picked up an offer from the University of Pennsylvania next to his Fresno State UNLV offers. He's got 152 yards and then Cole Bosch, 113 yards. And another player to watch for, I would say, Judas Shepard last week returned two kickoffs for scores against Cal. This one's going to be fun. I've got Clayton Valley. Greg's got Monta Vista. We'll see if Greg can start climbing up more and get back into that race for these predictions with a couple of weeks remaining. And then the last game to pick of this week, I'll be at this one, number eight, San Ramon Valley versus number 17, California. Uh, you know, San Ramon Valley, San Ramon Valley. I know Cal's going on a great run right now. They have a lot of great offensive talent. They play great defense against the Ugly Eagles a few weeks back as well. Um, just beat Monta Vista last week, but SRV, too much talent on the field. J.P. Murphy, Jack Quigley, um, Caden Ridley, you go up and down that roster. There's a ton of talent all up and down the field. SRV is ranked number eight for a reason, and I don't think I see an upset in this one as I'm going to go with SRV taking this one. Yes, I'm going to go with San Ramon Valley in this one. I think it's going to be a 31-24 to ball game for San Ramon Valley winning this one. San Ramon Valley's only loss is the De La Salle. In every other game, San Ramon Valley scored more than 30 points. And the scary part about that, every single game they've said they could have put up another 20 points at least. That's the scary part about San Ramon Valley. I would have loved to have seen them play with a 10-game season. But, of course, hey, we'll take a six-game season right now. It's better than nothing with the way things have looked in the world for the last year. But Jack Quigley, Sean White's got that D1 off from William & Mary. He's got 549 yards and three touchdowns. He's got a rushing score in there. He had 302 yards in that season-opening win at Los Lomas that Greg was at. They've got three players with over 100 receiving yards. Kind of sounds like men in right? A great quarterback, a lot of targets out there. Caden Ridley, 159 receiving yards. J.P. Murphy, the San Diego State tight end signing, 144. Caleb Perdura, just a sophomore, by the way, with 133. Got Sedarian Nardi, also a great DB for San Ramon Valley. He's got 241 rushing yards and three touchdowns. And then Cal... It's been crazy because, right, they go from that ground and pound, big eye formation type of system under Eric Berlici for a decade to the spread. In a weird offseason where they had to learn virtually, they had just a few weeks in pads. They're, they might say that they've got a lot of work to go to learn the system, but they're making that transition look seamless. Teddy Boris, their quarterback, he threw for 300-plus yards last week in that overtime one against Monta Vista. I can't remember the last time a Cal quarterback threw for 300 yards, let alone 200 in a game. He just had 306 yards, and he's 61 of 91 for 727 yards and five touchdowns. You've got Jay Covered. His feature is actually up on the website today at westcoastpreps.com. Last year, just mainly a defensive guy. This year, he's a running back as well, doing big things. So read his story. He's got 277 rushing yards and three touchdowns, then 96 receiving yards. You've got Jay Calcogno, the son of their head coach, Danny Calcogno, with 151 yards last week. 310 for the year, and then Dominic Toyer with 132 yards, and Darius Foster with 122. Then they've got a great guy defensively in Josh Gerlach, three interceptions, 31 tackles, one forced fumble, and one touchdown this year. So Greg and I, we've got all our picks the same, except for Clayton Valley, Monta Vista. Until then, check out all of our coverage this week. But Greg, I guess Greg's got something, Greg. What do you want to say? I got one thing. I know I have to run off to a football game to go cover it right now. But I got two minutes to talk about the San Francisco Giants and Gabe Kapler. So you're not happy? I'm not happy. You know, I get home from De La Salle last night. I see the score. Six to one. Hey, all right, sounds good. I turn on the game. They give up seven – or sorry, six runs in the eighth inning. Six runs. You know what? 
they walked nine people or ten people, something like that yesterday. Throw a strike. You're a major league pitcher. Throw a strike. Gabe Kapler needs to be fired. He's the worst coach in baseball right now. I said it when they hired him, and he needs to be fired. He's done. He's terrible. I just – how do you – you're up six to one in the eighth inning, and you can't close out the game? Cause, and then in extra innings, the tenth inning, they decide to walk three straight people to let the Mariners win the game. They didn't throw a strike. Couldn't even let him hit the ball. Just, just throw it down the middle. Let him hit the ball. No, let's just walk in the winning run and just walk three people in a row. Why is he on the roster if he can't even throw a strike? I mean, that's just that's bad. That's, that's, that's bad signing those kinds of guys. What was that thing that we saw yesterday on Twitter, that tweet from Alex Pavlovich? I'm going to read this to you, word for word. On a dry erase board in Gabe Kapler's office, there's a message in bright ink. Win time of possession. That's in all caps. Why the Giants are focused on pace and grinding down opponents this season? Yeah, well, they're time, they're winning time of possession because they can't throw a strike. Yeah, because their their defense is on the field for five hours because their pitchers walked ten guys yesterday. Also, before we go, can we say that I wish that there were less home runs in baseball and less strikeouts and more singles and doubles? Because I'm getting tired of it's it's long games where I'm getting. At other levels, I'm seeing all this. I'm seeing great strategy. Then I'm watching pro baseball right now. It's four-hour games, and it's just long ball strikeout, long ball strikeout. What is that? Yeah, baseball has a lot of work to do. I'm a huge baseball fan, started my life loving baseball. Um, Barry Bonds was the reason I started to love sports in general. But they have a lot of work to do. You know, there is no – if you're hitting 250 now, all of a sudden, that's a great average. Like, no. When you hit 300, you're, you have a good year. Like that, that should be the benchmark. It should not be, oh, well, I struck out 250 times, but I hit 25 home runs, so I'm a great baseball player. It's, no. like, it's like I know Bryce Harper's an immense talent, right, but it's like he hits 207, and you're saying he's the greatest thing ever. I'm like, that's – but how often are you getting on base? So you hit 207, and you can make $330 million now? It doesn't make sense. Baseball, I don't know if it's moving the mound back like they've talked about, like a, a foot or an inch or, you know, whatever – they're talking about moving the mound back a little bit. I know they changed the baseball a little bit this year, but I don't think that's going to make a huge difference. Um, they already said a ball that goes 400 feet will only go – the only difference is it will go 399 or 398. So it's not a huge difference there. Um, I just – I think that the launch angle and all these new metrics has ruined the game of baseball. And like you said, it's made it boring. There are no more singles. There are no more doubles. You don't have rallies where, you know, people I are getting out to say it. that too. I love when you're at a game or watch a game, there's a rally in the seventh inning, right? Single. Okay. Double. Oh, single. Okay. Can we get another run and bases loaded? What do we do here with one out? We got to try to get a sack fly, right? No, we got to get a sack, but we can't strike out. We can't ground out, right? Or so it's a double play. Can't ground out. Maybe they throw it home from third to home, right? No, it's just home runs and strikeouts. And great. It's cool to hit home runs, but you know how fun a rally is in baseball? You know how much that gets the juices flowing in the dugouts, in the stands, everywhere else? So there's a reason why baseball ratings and attendance are going way down. Yeah, and home runs are fun. We've all, you know, chicks love the long ball and all that sort of stuff. But it's only 20 seconds of joy, right, while he's rounding the bases. And then you go back to boringness of, okay, strike out, strike out, strike out. The only team that gets uh, rallies, though, if you're playing the Giants bullpen and they walk 10 guys in a row. Then you can have a rally. Now, now, that's a different kind of rally. That's where you're pretty much just doing nothing. You're just standing there, and somehow the baseball gods are working in your favor. True. Yeah, True. but you know, anyways, Greg's got a football to go to. West Coast preps is everywhere, as you know. 
putting on a lot of miles. We're having a lot of fun with this. So check out all of our coverage, subscribe to our newsletter, subscribe to our YouTube page for interviews, highlights, you know, the whole thing there. Follow all of our work on social media, West Coast Preps underscore, and check out all of our coverage at westcoastpreps.com.